look, really being honest about taking an inventory of your relationships, taking an inventory of your daily conversations, taking an inventory of what are you binging on Netflix on the weekends? What are you feeding your consciousness? Because what you feed every day will infect your mindset, which will either motivate your results or absolutely starve them. Welcome to Royalty Redefined, where you become the queen or king of your life. If you're ready to thrive as a visionary leader and really step into your power as the creator of your reality, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Christina Kelly. I'm a coach to seven and eight figure brands and keynote speaker who loves helping ambitious leaders create the impact they were born to create. Now it's your turn. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Royalty Redefined Podcast. I am so happy to have you here today, especially because today's podcast interview is one that is not only going to inspire and motivate you, which I think we can all use a little bit more of, but this podcast interview also includes really positive, tangible action steps in order to get you from where you are now to a more healed, high vibe version of yourself that is really attracting and creating his or her dream life. Now, the guest we have on today's show is a woman who I actually heard on another podcast about a year ago. And as soon as I heard her speak, I knew immediately, one, I was incredibly inspired, but also number two, I knew that if I had my own podcast one day, which that day has come, (laughs) you're listening to it right now, I knew that I wanted to have her as a guest on my show because she's someone who is so accomplished, which we're about to get into, but more importantly than that, she is so authentically herself and she gives you really tangible action steps in order to heal yourself and really be who it is that you are meant to be in this world, which if you are a part of the royalty redefined community, then I know that's what you're here to do. Today's guest, Lacey Johnson, is a multi-passionate, award-winning essayist and journalist who has worked with famed thought leaders and entrepreneurs such as Deepak Chopra, Damon John, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and Gabby Bernstein, just to name a few, but we're going into way more detail in this interview. Lacey's words can be read in a vast collective of top magazines and media sources, including Oprah.com, Cosmopolitan, and Marie Claire. Many have been syndicated and shared millions of times. She is not only an incredible writer, but such an inspiring speaker who I am so excited for you to hear from. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Lacey. Lacey, welcome to the Royalty Redefined podcast. It is such an honor to have you on the show today. Uh, Thank you so much. It is such an honor to be here talking with you. Well, Lacey, I know that there is just so much about your story, about your experiences that we can really dive into. And with the intro that people just heard, I'm sure a lot of people are curious, how in the world did she get to do so many incredible high impact things in her career? And what I really love to do with all my guests is actually take them back a little bit and really go back to maybe your childhood, some key moments that really defined you and allowed you to step into your power as the queen of your life that you are today. Yes. The question that you asked is the summation of my entire life's work. 
and what I mean by that is I wouldn't be doing what I am today if, if it hadn't, if, if I had not experienced the uh, pain, the traumas, the struggles, the hardships that I had in my childhood. I would not have the victory. I wouldn't have the joy and the deliciousness in my work if I had not experienced those things. And what I most feel led to do in my work and what drives me, what keeps me going um, is just knowing the power that the untapped power that we all have within us and um and, and the ability to call upon those struggles and transform everything into um, a source of power, of endless, infinite power. That's so beautiful. And I think it's such an important reminder too, because I even think you know about certain circumstances in my own life, sometimes when we're going through something that feels really difficult, really, maybe mm. even like traumatic, if it's, a, if it's a deeper wound, in that moment, it can feel hard to really think to ourselves, okay, this is happening for me. But with what you just said, that's such a powerful reminder that it can be those experiences that do, in your own words, make life more delicious. I, I, you know, I I love that. And I also think it's important to add in this world, in our digital age of so much information, everybody has a mic if they want one. (laughs) Um, And I I think there is a lot of misinformation as well. There's a lot of room for that. Um, And a lot of times there's misinformation given out and and with a spirit of good intentions, you know, but um, so I think it's important to say that living in your power, stepping into your power, accessing that power, being willing to use that power. It's not about denying anything, or it's not about denying your pain. You can simultaneously link arms with your grief and your pain and say, man, this doesn't feel like it's happening for me. And right now, like this is crushing my soul. This is causing me pain. This, I I lost something dear to me, or I didn't get something I wanted. It's not about denying the, the dark part of the experience, but it's saying, I, this is, this hurts, or this, I'm sad about this while also at the same time being willing to see the possibility within it and on the other side of it. So you can, you can actually be in both places at the same time, or you can be willing to accept both things. Like for example, you know, my mother died in a very tragic way when I was six and a half years old. I lost four family members, like half of half of my family members, um, half of four women in my family died in a very tragic way. It'll never be okay, necessarily. It'll never be good that that happened, right? It'll never be, um, that would be a very toxic, you know, positive thing to say, and to try to spin, that would not be true for me if I were to say that I'm happy about that. However, have there been a bevy of gifts as a result of that loss? That is also true. It was an excruciating experience, but at the same time, life has never stopped blessing me as a result of that loss. That is where we need to be because life doesn't take anything away from you without giving you something of equal value in return. It'll always be that way you know? Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. This, this does make sense. And I want to dive a little bit more into this because like you said, you know, there's a lot of people who share things on the internet with really great intentions. I believe we lead others with the, with the level of understanding with which we are able to lead ourselves. But Mm -hmm. I love what you just said here, which is really the beautiful duality, the yin and yang of seeing your pain, right? And not just pushing it down and saying it's not there, really seeing it, acknowledging it, 
but then also having that balance of saying, you know what, there are also beautiful things that can come from this and really appreciating and acknowledging both for what they are. I think that when guests share examples, it's so valuable because it really helps us, you know, get tangible with it. Would you feel comfortable maybe diving a little bit more into this experience or maybe even another experience in your life that you that you know was really hard, but that really beautiful things did come out of? Oh my gosh, I have. I how much time do you have? Because there's <laughs> never been anything that's happened to me in my life that hasn't something beautiful hasn't come on the other side. Like something gorgeous has come on the other side of every horrific thing. And that is true. Uh, so okay, I lost my mom in a really tragic way, and it was devastating. And it was devastating and 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 it continued to be, and there are still moments of devastation and, and grief. Okay. Like she will never hold my daughter. I have a three-year-old. She'll never hold her in the flesh. You know, my, she wasn't there to zip me up in my wedding dress. She wasn't there when I got engaged. She wasn't there when I got my driver's license. Like there's all of this, you know, she, I remember the first mother's day after she died. And I was the only little girl in the class who didn't have a mom next to her. Like my dad actually came, which was so sweet. Uh, and sat with me. Uh, but, um, so, so that's the, that's the sad part and that will always be true. And in order to access the power within any situation, you have to be willing to, that's part of, you can't really access the power without truly processing something. You have to be willing to feel the dark part, the pain, the gritty, you have to be willing to fully experience the, you know, in order to even access the beauty. But in ter- to answer your question, I have an amazing stepmom. She's not my mom and she will never be my mom, but she is a mother. She is a mom to me. She's a bonus mom. She didn't give birth to me. She didn't carry me in her womb. She didn't teach me how to walk. She didn't give me my first bottle, but she has given me love without reservation or obligation. She had a beautiful experience when I got pregnant. Uh, we, we, we did, uh, we decorated the nursery together. That's my stepmom. So yes, it, it, it is sad that my, that my mom wasn't there to do that, but what a beautiful thing for a woman who doesn't have any obligation really to love me in that way, do that. That's beautiful. My parent, my dad had two, um, children, uh, as a result of, of that's of, he got remarried and, and now I have two brothers. I wouldn't have two brothers if my mom hadn't died. Again, it'll never be great that my mom died, but life, it's a beautiful redemptive process. I now have two brothers. And in fact, my family and I are flying to San Francisco tomorrow to see one of those brothers. And we're so excited. And I love him. And I love my sister-in-law. Again, more gifts. Um, I don't know that I'd be quite the mother I am. And this is not true for everyone. I'm, I don't speak for everyone, but I think my journey into motherhood has been more magical and profound because of that absence, because of the, the absence of growing up without my mom, uh, that, that, uh, you can only really experience, I believe you can only really experience beauty to the same degree that you've experienced ugliness. And so my capacity for celebration and triumph and victory and and healing is really great because I had so much pain. And so my, my entrance into motherhood was very vivid and very just profound and so healing. What a beautiful experience. Every single time um, I hold my daughter, I think about the way my mother held me. And again, I can't talk to her about that, but I can experience it in a different way. 
I could go on and on, but I know we don't have all day. So does that answer your question? <laughs> that absolutely does answer my question. And I really appreciate you really going into detail about this and really honestly sharing from your heart about the things that have changed you and the things that have molded you into the person who you truly are today. And I think it's so funny too, that you're really speaking about, not funny, but I think it's so beautiful that you're really openly speaking about the duality of openly feeling both, because this is something that I don't hear spoken about a lot, perhaps as much as I should. And so I love that you dared to share that. And I also truly am sorry for your loss. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, again, I think it's, that's one thing is, and this is just a very human thing. We, most of us do this. We like to categorize things. We like to be like, okay, so this is this way. And she feels this way about this. And this person is this. And, and that's not, that type of thinking thrives in the absence of realistic information about the human psyche. You know, we are very complex beings and we need to give ourselves permission to be complex and idiosyncratic. And we need to also make space for others to do the same. That is how you breed true connection and love and understanding. For example, my gosh, when I became a mom, uh, it was really edifying and really hard. I was exhausted all the time. I, I was like crying. I mean, I kind of had, it, it, it was like, where did Lacey go? I mean, I was very ambitious and working all the time. And all of a sudden I became this mom and it was like constant servitude. And it was, it was very difficult. And yet it was the most magical experience of my life. And one I could say in like the same breath that it was so unbelievably beautiful and, and, um, beautifully transformative and, and edifying and restorative. And, and, and yet I was literally reduced to like a powder of myself because I was, you know what I mean? So both, both were true. And I think we could say that about so many things in life. There are times when my journey and my career, it's really crushing. I've had stories that I've pitched to editors that have, that have been killed at the last minute. And I've had then be resuscitated again at the last minute. I have so many, you know, experiences of failure and, 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 and triumph and success and then crickets and like nothing happening. And so I could say there are times when my career drives me crazy and there in a single day, I could say, I feel like quitting. And also I would never quit in a million years. So yes, I think in, in every angle of life, we, I think it's really important. And that is part of of stepping into your power is embracing that you are very complex. You're emotionally complex. You're mentally complex. Your history is complex and nuanced. And uh, you need to give yourself permission to feel all of those things and also make space for others to do the same. So beautiful. And I really want to emphasize the last line that you said, give yourself that space to allow yourself to be complex and then mm -hmm. also allow others to do the same. It's my belief that when you're really able to do for others or maybe teach others what it is that you've wanted to learn yourself, that's when you've truly become a master of it and really accepted that, which I think is so beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. Just mm. what you're doing. <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm doing my very best over here. But <laughs> a question that I actually want to have for you based off of what you just said is, 
I know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and the entrepreneurs are obviously getting out there, doing their things, they're passionate about their jobs. But like you said, sometimes there are periods where we feel like there's crickets. Sometimes there's periods where no matter what success you've had in the past, you may wonder, should I just quit? Mm -hmm. And during those periods, more specifically during the low moments that are inevitable in any journey of life, and I think especially in entrepreneurship, I would love to know how you honor yourself in that process and then also allow yourself to move forward in the best and most healed way possible. Yeah. Couple things. Number one, I always look for the feed, the um, possibility within every failure. This, um, am I being, being redirected? What type of you know feedback am I getting from people? What type of supernatural feedback am I getting? Is this slamming door a blessing? So often I have found that, yes, it is. It could be protection. Maybe I'm not quite ready for something. I don't yet have the capacity to um, write a story yet. And I if I have had, I mean, there's a specific time when a, a story that was very dear to me was killed. I could t- tell you really quickly, I worked on this story um, about breast implant illness. I was actually the first journalist to... Um, break, write a story on breast implant illness for a women's magazine. Uh, I pitched it in January, 2017, and there weren't a lot of people talking about breast implant illness at the time. Uh, And I, it was, it was killed so many times. I can't even tell you. I I mean, um, it it died and died and died and then was like resuscitated and died and resuscitated. Um, I believed so much in, not from a place of ego, I really knew that there were suffering women and that they weren't being heard by their doctors. They were being, by many doctors were making them feel like they were crazy. Their reality was being denied. And I felt as a journalist, when I decided to go to school for journalism, when I decided to become a journalist, that I needed to illuminate something that is true. I needed to, um, I had done the research, I had interviewed over 40 experts at that point um, that I couldn't give up. I was like, I feel, I think my dad was kind of saying, or it was my dad or my mom, my stepmom were like, you're like the person, like the dog on the pants leg. Like you just won't let go of the pants leg, you know, they're jerking (laughs) their leg around, but you're not letting go. And, and I just really believed in what I was doing. Um, The story was killed in, I was right when I thought that it was about to be published, I had a date for it to be published in the magazine. It was killed in January, 2019. I was seven months pregnant, very emotional and hormonal and not happy about it. I I was, I, I was, I literally spent a couple of days in bed. I was so heartbroken and I was editor in chief of a magazine, a a hyper-local magazine at the time, or more of a regional magazine. I was devastated. I had worked so hard. I had interviewed these women that were suffering. They'd given me their time, these experts I'd interviewed, um, a former member of Congress who had spoken before the FDA went in the initial ban on silicone breast implants in the nineties, I had given all of myself and I, I, it was, I allowed myself to grieve that it was heartbreaking. And then the New York times broke a story and the editors finally listened to me 10 days after I gave birth to my daughter, 10 days, my daughter was born March 20th on March 30th. I got an email And I was totally cross-eyed, breastfeeding my daughter. An email pops up. I was on maternity leave. I get an email that says, the subject is hello again. We actually would like to revive this story. Can you make a few edits? 
I'm like, hell yeah, I can. Hell Gosh. yeah, I care. I'm exhausted. I'm not <laughs> sleeping. I have a newborn, but this is meant to be mine. And it came out in July, 2019 in Marie Claire magazine. And it has been wildly lucrative. It led to me, um, getting, starting to write for Oprah magazine, which is now Oprah daily. I've had so many things come out, beautiful things come out of it. Uh, so to answer your question in a really long way is if you are going to do something like if, if, if you, if something is hard, know that it's it, but it's, but it's also satisfying. Like you have those moments of satisfaction, those moments of purpose, those sparks, if it lights up your heart, things that are worth it are going to be hard because like if things were meaningful, things were easy. Everyone would do them. If, if getting, earning a degree or a master's degree or a doctorate were easy, everyone would do it. If writing a book were easy, everyone would do it. If, you know, going after a dream that seems like a elusive, distant, bizarre entity were easy, like everyone would do it. The thing is, is you have to check your intention. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you want glorification? You want people to love you? You think that maybe if you become successful or you have a certain number of followers, people will like you. That's not a good intention. That is, that is a very weak intention. Um, are you doing it because you know, you, you believe in what you're doing. You feel that there's a mandate for you to do this. You feel that this aligns with your soul's calling, like why you came to this earth. Is it aligned with your purpose for coming to earth? Does it light you up while also lighting other people up? Are you illuminating something that frees people, that inspires people, that feeds them, that's life-giving to them? That is your intention. So when times are are dark, when they inevitably will be, you will have stretches of failure, no matter who you are, where you are in your journey. If you are struggling right now and you have a big break in six months, I promise you, you will again have another struggle in the future. It might, might be different and you might be at another level, but as they say, for every level, there's another devil. Uh, so, you know, you, when those times are hard, you can, you return to your intention and if your intention is one that is good, it will satiate you and you will be able to keep going. I promise you. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, huge congratulations on this article. That is so amazing. And I actually personally know women who have really suffered with that and who, just like you said, they felt unheard by their doctors. They felt unseen. They felt like they were crazy. And now I want to send them your article. So yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was in the July issue, 2019 issue. My gosh, it's been it's been like three years ago now, but uh, it's still active on the it's still on the, their website. Of course, they syndicate it on their website, and it's I still get emails about it still to this day. People are like, I read this. I mean, I just got one yesterday. Yeah, they're like, thank you so much, and yeah, it's been years, but I I will never regret not giving up. I will never regret it, and I promise you, there were times I wanted to, but like for like five minutes, and I'm like, no, no not. I'm so glad I didn't. This is incredible. And I have a feeling that there's someone who's listening to this interview today. And maybe it's one person in the audience, maybe it's 10, maybe it's a hundred, but someone is listening to this and maybe they thought about giving up on something that was important to them. And I would even dare to say that this is their sign to not give up. If like you said, they're really in it for those intentions of soul purpose and really doing something positive with the talents that they've been given. Yeah. And just know that there is you, when you, you know, there is no, 
you don't do the world any favors by not believing in yourself. Like nobody wins. If you want to doubt yourself, like by all means, you have, you can totally do that. You have the free will to do that. Knock yourself out, but nobody wins. You don't win and the world doesn't win because then when you don't believe in yourself, then you can't share gifts that could potentially unlock things for other people. And then, then we all lose. That sucks. You know, I've never heard it framed that way before, but I really like that. Good. Good. (laughs) Another question I have for you is actually along the lines of trauma and healing from trauma. I know this is something that you are so knowledgeable in and I actually have your book is on trauma. Actually, I'm writing a book (gasps) on trauma right now. Yes. I'm deep in it and I'm so excited for it to come out. Yes. Oh my goodness. I am so excited about that as well. And I know too, that you have a workbook called Radical Life Renovation, a guided program to heal the past, reclaim your power and build a future you love, which I actually purchased, of course. And you just have so many tangible action steps in there. You have so many great life examples. And I mean, it's clear that you're truly an expert on this, but the question I have for you is actually how to know if you have unhealed trauma, because like what you said earlier, um, sometimes we might have a habit of wanting just to push things aside and not to truly see them. And what I would love to know from you for myself and also for the listeners is how do you know if you have unhealed trauma in the first place? Okay. So, um, first of all, let me say that, um, the indigenous people really embraced trauma as a way of life. So the human experience, there is inevitable pain. Uh, I feel like now we do so much in our modern day of trauma blocking, distracting ourselves. If something hurts or we feel lonely, we go through a bad breakup. Oh my gosh, I'm going to post a selfie to try to get some attention, or I'm going to um, get on TikTok and just, you know, not let myself think or feel. Uh, I'm going to do something to distract myself. That is trauma blocking. Um, and um, so I think we're all traumatized. There are what I call micro traumas and macro traumas, micro traumas, you know, just you go through, maybe like you have, you lose a job that you really liked, or you, you, you know, that's, that could be a little, feel a little traumatic. Maybe you worked really hard and you interviewed three or four times and ultimately you didn't get it. That That's a, that's a micro trauma. A macro trauma would be, you know, your, maybe your parents went through an ugly divorce or, um, you, or, you know, or, uh, you lost some, uh, someone to, you know, someone passed away, you were very close with, or, or you were abused or violated. That is a, a macro trauma. So I think that it's pretty safe to say that we're all traumatized in some level. And I think it's very important to not compare your trauma to the next. We don't get a badge for having more traumas or less traumas. We also shouldn't romanticize our traumas. It's just a part of the human experience. We have different ones and everyone's journey is unique and it's, they're always going to look differently. They're always going to, the internal experience is going to be very different. Uh, You know, some, something could look like someone could go through something and be very traumatized and from people observing be like, well, that wasn't that bad, but they could be absolute person in pain could be absolutely tormented for reasons that other people will never know because uh, maybe they don't have a lot of support through that trauma. Maybe they have been given everything monetarily, but they don't have, they lack emotional nurturing from a parent or, or, or what have you. So don't judge anyone else's trauma. Don't judge your own and don't compare. I would say, first of all, but in terms of how to know if you've got some trauma, what, what I would like to, if it's okay, if I could add to that question is how to know if you've got unprocessed trauma that needs your attention. 
That is the most important thing. How to know is, do you have a pattern in your life that is struggling, that is troubling you, that is driving you crazy, that you feel is hindering your progress, your happiness, that is preventing you from being a fully actualized human, you, you know, you know, you feel like something is nagging, holding you back. Then, then you probably do have uh, uh, an unresolved trauma that is asking for your attention because your brain loves you so much. It's going to bring up these things because it's like, Hey, I need you to, I need, I need your attention. I, I want you to process. I want you to pay attention to this. Um, so, um, for example, would you like me to give an example of just to sort would, of bring? I would love that. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, this I as as I talked about earlier in the interview, I lost my mom in a very tragic way. My mom died very suddenly. I was raised in a very traditional Southern um, Christian family where it was just I, I was just told your mom went to heaven. I wasn't like told, you know. I, it was just like your mom went to, you know, your mom went to heaven and I was six and a half, very imaginative six and a half year old. And in my mind, I received that. Now, no one told me this, but I thought she went to go be somewhere else. Like in, in, you know, no one ever told me that, but I really did think that I, I, it's just the way that my brain processed that information. Oh, she went to go be with Jesus or she went to go in heaven. So she chose to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm telling you, no one told me that, that I could ever recall, but I really did process it that way. And it imprinted that way uh, in my brain. And so I carried that with me. And, and for years, I would, anytime we would go, my family, like I, we would go anywhere sort of out of the ordinary an amusement park, or we'd go to, you know, on vacation, I would look for my mom. I would always look for her. If I heard her name being called by someone, I would have to just make sure that it wasn't her. And even as an adult, I find myself still doing that sometimes because that's just my brain, my subconscious programming, right? Um, so I had abandonment issues, just to kind of put it, I didn't know it at the time, but, um, but, I, but I, I, I had pretty, uh, pretty significant abandonment issues. And so when I became, when I went through puberty and I, and I became a teenager and a young woman, um, I didn't know that I was doing this, but I got, I just fell into this pattern of choosing horribly possessive, jealous boyfriends. I, I just, one after another, I ha was in abusive relationships, um, with, with really, uh, really tumultuous cat and mouse, possessive, jealous, where I felt like property. And I was oftentimes these relationships were with guys that were, um, they were very emotionally abusive. Some were physically abusive um, and would, would be very romantic and loving and affirming and then cruel, um, but, but obsessed with me. Anytime I would try to leave, they were obsessed with me and they would do anything to get me to not be with someone else and to stay with them. And I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I, I, my family was like, what is wrong with you? I write about this in my, so the workbook Radical Life Renovation is a fusion. It's both a workbook and an actual lot of reading material. So it is both by the way, but I, and I do kind of unpack it in the book a little bit, um, but I didn't know what I was doing. And everyone was like, what is wrong with you? You know, you've got your, I mean, I had a, a lot going for me. I had great friends, but I couldn't stop having these relationships, it was horrible. And I, I didn't know how to stop. And I learned that 
uh, I was subconsciously, because of my unexamined, unprocessed abandonment issues, I was subconsciously choosing partners who would never leave me. They were hurting me. They were making me miserable. They were destroying my sense of self. They were causing me tremendous stress that was showing up in my health, my body. I was having all of these health issues as a result of this. I was creating more traumas, actually. I was creating more traumas for myself by being in these horrible relationships. But I I I, I had such severe abandonment issues from childhood that I was subconsciously choosing guys and men uh, who would, who would, who were going to stay. And it wasn't until I began to address and heal those abandonment issues that I, that, that, that I was able to heal that. And I met my husband, I've been married for, we, we will celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary uh, next month. We have a very healthy marriage. We I, truly, of course, nothing's perfect, but we have a very, very healthy, loving, supportive marriage. Um, and we have a beautiful almost three and a half year old little girl. Well, <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations on cel- almost celebrating your 10 year anniversary yes, and for you. your beautiful girl. Thank okay. You. So for anyone who hasn't seen Lacey's Instagram yet, I'm going to link it in the show notes, but <laughs> your girl is just so sweet, just very like sweet and full of life. And I'm so happy for, you know, the way that you've really been able to embrace new joys in your life. And I know that the story that you just shared, which I'm sorry you had to go through that of having partners who didn't treat you right emotionally or physically abusive, mm-hmm. um, people who were very, very controlling. I myself had a relationship a lot like that, um, that I ended a little over a year ago. And I've since right, you know, so met, an, thank you. Yeah. I've since met an amazing boyfriend after going on my own six month healing journey where it was nice. just me and my healing and my meditation and therapy and all those different things. But What I'm really trying to say here is, unfortunately, the story that you've mentioned is one that I hear a lot about, Mm -hmm. where it's girls who maybe they do have a lot going for them. They feel, you know, like they love their career, their friends, things like that, but they seem to attract men who are very controlling. If you could give one piece of advice or even just one action step, one journal prompt to help a woman in that position through that, what would that be? If you're here right now, I know that you truly are royalty redefined and deciding right now that it's time for you to step into your power as the queen of your life. And I want to give you a special resource completely for free to really help you do this on a whole integrative level. I am super excited to share with you my inner queen meditation, which is a two minute power meditation to really help you tap into the energy of your inner queen. This meditation is guaranteed to leave you feeling not only more empowered, but more confident and clear in your role as a leader and as the queen of your life. To get access to this meditation completely for free, all you have to do is text the word QUEEN, that's Q-U-E-E-N, to 833-459-3914. Again, that's accessing your free two-minute inner queen meditation by texting the word QUEEN to 833-459-3914. If you need to take a second to pause this episode, text me the word QUEEN to 833-459-3914 right now to make sure that you get this free meditation to tap into your inner queen. All right, let's get back to the episode. 
I would say I would I would sit down and write and answer the following question and just, you know, I have a process in the radical life renovation. There's like a, something I call the radical daily four, where I have a morning mind purging process, a daily journaling practice. There's a whole lot of other journal prompts, but I would sit down and I would set a timer for five or 10 minutes, likely 10 minutes and, and right at the top of your um, page, the question, who am I living for? And I want you to explore that set a timer for 10 minutes and give yourself permission to be honest, safe zone. It's always safe on the page and, 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 and answer that question because I believe I was living for the validation of, of others. I felt that I, if I was not loved by someone, if I didn't have someone in my life who would never leave me and who would love me unconditionally and always be there, then I wasn't okay. I was, I had to have that. And it wasn't until I said, I am that person. I am the longest relationship I will ever have. I am the only relationship in my life that is ever guaranteed. Nothing else. As long as I have breath is guaranteed. Something could happen to my husband, something could happen to my daughter. Of course, I don't even want to imagine those things, but I have a me forever. I have my soul. I have my spirituality. I have my relationship with my creator, whatever that means for you. Who are you living for? Who or what are you living for? Really examine that because if you are living for the love of another, if you are living for the glory, the acceptance, the permission, the validation, the stamp of approval, you will hunger for the rest of your life. Your relationship with yourself is the most profoundly beautiful experience that you could ever have and that desperately wants to be nurtured. That is such a power question. It's a question that I've I've asked myself a lot of questions. <laughs> I've asked other people a lot of questions. I've never thought about that question before. And this is something that I'm probably going to journal on later today. Oh. And I I haven't gotten to it yet in the book, but I really appreciate you sharing that. And I hope for anyone listening that you also take time to take action on that. Because when I think about that question, what I think about is really just going a step deeper into understanding why you're doing the things that you're doing and what's truly driving them and kind of having a full circle moment here. I know that we mentioned that in the entrepreneurial journey, a way to know something is truly meant for you. If you're meant to push forward is if you do have that purity of intention, if it's really and truly aligned for you. And I love how now we've kind of just circled back to a question of, you know, really understanding why you're doing the things that you're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to an entrepreneurial journey, what value are you offering to the world? And when you share that value, is it lighting you up? Is it sparking you? Is it fueling you? Is it satiating you? Um, that's the power. That's where the power is. And that's the kind of power that will never run out. So beautifully said. Now to close out, I have just a couple more juicy questions for you. And one of those is actually going to be working at Oprah's magazine. So I know that you are an incredible writer. I personally, I have your workbook at you. um, For those of you who don't follow Lacey on Instagram, which you should, but I'll link your Instagram in the show notes, but you post like links to your articles sometimes in your Instagram description. And when you make a post about them, I'm like, Ooh, Lacey made another post. And so I go and check them out. And you're, (laughs) you're such a, 
eloquent writer, but yet such a real writer. I can feel the energy that is very deep in what it is that you do. And it seems like what you're doing now is just so aligned with your soul's purpose and also with the gifts that creator or whatever you believe in has gifted you with. Thank you. I would love to know um, how you got yourself in the energy of that opportunity. Is being a professional writer something that you dreamed about for a long time? Was it a referral, something that kind of fell into your lap? I would just love to hear more. Yeah. So I always have a vision board. Um, I You should never go a day of your life without your vision board. Uh, I don't think, but if it's not for you, that's cool too. Um, I have a vision board at all times and I connect with that vision board every single day. I have various images. Some are images from my life that mean something to me. If I want more of something there, I kind of add in some, some affirmations and goals. And within that, uh, within those images, I kind of like weave those in and, uh, I, we'll add in images of things that, you know, I want that I spot that means something, a person that I want to connect with a person that I would like to, to, um, work with, or maybe someone of their likeness. Um, and so I just, it was a goal of mine. I think I wrote it down. I also have a little book too, of things that I want to do. And I wanted to write for Oprah magazine. And I think I wrote it down in 2000. 16, I think, I think it was the fall-ish of 2016 that I decided that was a goal. And I, my first um, article with them was October, 2019. So three years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and some things have happened in six months. Some things have happened really fast. Uh, But I just, I truly believed uh, it wasn't far-fetched because I, I felt that my voice, my writing was very aligned with the brand Um, and I actually have had two articles published, um, that have been syndicated on the front page of Oprah.com. Yeah. Two of them. One that I wrote on narcissism and one that I wrote, um, on how to know if a friend is jealous of you. I do a lot of relationship type, uh, like most of my, most of my work is kind of in the realms of mental health mindset, um, self-optimization, wellness, healthy relationships, things like that. That's absolutely incredible. Well, congratulations on being on the front page of Oprah's, I think you said it was her website? Twice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And listen, I want to, this is very important. A lot of times people will create a vision board or create a, a, a goal, a list of goals and they will say, I want this, but then they just kind of sit back and don't take action. I, that doesn't work. You, you have to, you make your goal. You know exactly where you're going. You make it your bullseye. You make it your, this is my map. This is where I'm headed. And in the process, I studied the content. I studied the map. I bought the magazine. I read it. I, I studied the website. I wanted, I know I studied what they wanted, what the voice was like, what, you know, what, what, what topics are they interested in? What's their reader like? I studied the demographic. And so I, I, that's, that's, that's how it came to be. Otherwise, if I hadn't done that, I, you know, I began to pitch editors. I actually pitched somebody, I believe it was a year after I'd set the goal and of an editor and she really liked my work. Uh, I pitched 
an essay idea, I believe it was. And she was like, I really like, there's some really beautiful moments here. I love your writing. Uh, I don't think this is, is, is a fit, but please pitch me again. And so then she ended up leaving the magazine. Um, then I was like really busy for a while. I like was working on the Marie Claire piece. I wrote some essays for Cosmopolitan and I was editor in chief of a regional magazine. I was really busy with that. And, but I continued to make Oprah magazine a goal and I just buckled down. I remember uh, when I was pregnant, really like exploring their content. And I guess I signed, I signed my contract with them like when my daughter was six months old. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And something that I really want to emphasize here that I think is so important is the combination of obviously the visualization and seeing the vision board, which I'm a vision board girl too. So I love that. <laughs> um, but also combining that with really the intentional action and putting yourself in the energy of that, which it is you're desiring to manifest. Like you were doing all that research, you were pitching yourself, you were really putting yourself in that energy. And I think that's also something really important to touch on. I followed the editors on Twitter uh, to see what they what what was it their mind. I wanted to explore like their mindset. What, what are they out for? What are they interested in? What do they find funny? What do they find intriguing? What do they find profound? Uh, things like that. I also think it's important to always know it's not just about what you do, but it's the, who are you being? Are was I being someone who was a fit? You know, how, how was, was I the type of person who Oprah's magazine's readers would want to hear from? Was I being a person who was inspired? You know what I mean? Um, because if, if you, you know, if you want to write content or create content that inspires other people, are you yourself inspired? Are you living an inspired life? So it's, it's who you're being also. I love that. So I'll summarize this right now and let me know if I missed anything. Lacey's manifestation process, TM. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, but, but to the extent that you just explained it, Lacey's manifestation process, number one, very clear goal. Number two, visualization, have it on the vision board, see it in front of you. Number three, obviously you want to make sure that you are the person who you feel like is the embodiment of that opportunity and is really aligned and inspired in the journey. And then lastly, make sure that you're putting in the aligned action in order to really bring this into your energy field. Yeah. And also know that everything that you do, that you feed your mind every single day. I write about in my books about mental and emotional hygiene. Most people are pretty vigilant about brushing their teeth, brushing their hair, washing their body, but are you really careful about what you feed your mind? Are you having negative conversations, gossipy conversations? Are you listening to music that makes you really sad? Or are you, what are you looking at on Pinterest? Are you following people on social media that make you feel insecure? Are you, are you, following accounts that feed your sense of possibility and hope. Does that make sense? And so um, you can need to practice emotional and mental hygiene. And they, those things should be aligned with your, the life you want your goals. There's a, there's a chapter um, in radical life renovation. Um, and it's, it's just a, a kind of a snarky, but it's, I think it's an important one. It's my life is incomplete without something to complain about. And uh, it's a, uh, it was inspired by this magazine article that I was reading when a few years ago, uh, this psychologist had um, the CEO of a company had entered into an experiment with a psychologist. He was really struggling with his employees, his team, just not listening to him. He was having issues at home and he was really frustrated and, 
so he entered into this experiment with a psychologist who was like, okay, so for a period of, I think it was like 90 days, nothing negative. Don't say anything negative. Don't feed any negativity. Don't respond to anything negatively De- you know, deprive yourself of negativity. And there's a lot more to it. I'm, I'm summarizing it, but the, the changes were radical. They really were radical. And that is what my, what the workbook is about. It's called radical life renovation, but it's not about burning the village down in your life. It's about making daily changes that reap radical results in your life. And, and that means look really being honest about taking an inventory of your relationships, taking an inventory of your daily conversations, taking an inventory of what are you binging on Netflix on the weekends? What are you feeding your consciousness? Because what you feed every day will infect your mindset, which will either motivate your results or absolutely starve them. So beautifully said. And I love to that piece about really just looking at where you're complaining about things and really mm-hmm. understanding that your life is going to be a reflection of a lot of which goes on in your mind. Yeah. And so the more that we're surrounding ourselves with those positive thoughts, obviously still acknowledging the things that are hard and are difficult, but allowing ourselves to be in that state of looking for the good in places where we can. That's such a beautiful testament to, like you just said, how very small changes can make the biggest difference in our lives. Yeah, they do. It, it's the the um, transformation is in the 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 day to day, the details, the the hallway moments of our life. You know, oftentimes when someone wants to make a big change, they want to do something just extreme to make a statement, and that oftentimes back that that oftentimes backfires because it feels too disorienting, or it's just too. In some cases, it does work depending upon where a person is, but really profound transformation happens uh, in small daily conscious uh, decisions, different small adjustments to data, you know, eating something a little different, taking a different route to work, saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to read three pages a night of a book that nourishes my or that, that, that educates me on a subject that I need to know about that will support my goals or that will feed my sense of self-belief or whatever you, you feel that you need. Um, when you're hungry, you, you eat, right? So if your mind or your spirit is starved for something, then you need to feed that as well. And you need to be really mindful uh, and be a good steward of what you're feeding to your, to your mind and what, you're, what, you're, what environment you're putting yourself in. It's very important. You're, it is your responsibility to make yourself happy. No one else's. Absolutely. I completely agree with that, especially the last line that you just shared, that it is our own responsibility to yeah. make ourselves happy and to really give ourselves that love and that nourishment first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's a it's an extremely important responsibility. And it's not selfish. It's vital. Yeah. Yeah. Because Absolutely. then your life, if then your life is a betrayal of itself and nobody wins, you know? Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Mm -hmm. A couple final questions for you. And one of these is actually going to be more so along the lines of what you do as a journalist. Mm -hmm. I know that part of what you do is, of course, share your own thoughts, your own experiences, but you also work with other people. You hear other people's stories and you interview them. And I would love to know if this is something that you always feel like you had an interest in and were excited about, if maybe interviewing made you nervous at some point, if you can just give us a little bit of a sneak peek into this. 
No. Um, I mean, of course I've had nervousness, um, at times, but not anymore, really. Uh, I just love humans. I've, I'm really fascinated by human beings. Uh, I genuinely like people. I just think we, we're such interesting creatures and, uh, I just love to stroll through the mind of another human. <laughs> so I just am so jazzed about it. I'm so energized by it. Uh, it's such a luxury to be able to talk to other people and listen to them share. I, I mean, I feel like it's such a profound honor, such a luxury. Um, I mean, I've had good interviews, bad interviews. Um, I don't know. One of my favorite people I've ever interviewed is, um, you know, Damon John on Shark Tank. Yes. He big is fan. hilarious and he's awesome. <laughs> he, his mom was in the background the whole time we were talking. He's so funny. He was talking about, oh my gosh, she was hysterical. He was such a sweetheart. Like we talked for like two hours and I think he's like, do you need anything else? Like he was so precious. Like seriously, he was such a nice guy and just cool. He was just so cool. And, and also very plain spoken. And his mom was so funny. She was in the background chiming in. He was talking about the early FUBU days. His, you know, he, he launched FUBU and he started it in his mom's basement. She took out a second mortgage on her home because he wanted to, you know, make this business. And he was talking about how he had moved in some of his friends to help out. And he turned her basement into a FUBU factory, like a hat and shirt making factory. And she was chiming in about how some of those guys just were lazy and like, didn't, oh my gosh, <laughs> they were so cute. Um, so I loved that interview. Another one, I don't know if you know who, um, who Betsy Johnson, she's a fashion designer. Oh, yeah. I love her. Yes. So I interviewed her. She was in Mexico and like was telling me about this beautiful view. She was, I think she was drinking a margarita when we were talking. Um, she was an angel on this earth. I actually have, there's a, I write about a little bit of the interview. So in the radical life renovation, I share a lot of some of my favorite interviews, like Gabby Bernstein, Deepak Chopra, people who have really unlocked things for me. Uh, that's where the kind of the book was born from. I'm like, what well, who are the people that I've had the pleasure of working with that have really helped me create radical improvements in my life? I'm going to share those things for others and I'm going to make turn into a book. Um, but Betsy was so cool because she just, I felt like she liberated me. One thing she said, which I have, I, I just think about all the time. It, she said, uh, when she it signed with Steve Madden, she like had her brand had been, a. um, I think absorbed by Steve Madden. And she said, I only agreed to the deal if I could hold on to a lot of my creative direction and freedom. And she's like, because if you're not going to let me fly, you're not going to get the best of me. And I was like, yes, I love that. And another thing she said is she said, I getting dressed is not just about vanity. I actually put this in the book that when she said this, cause I loved it. She said, it's not just about vanity or looking pretty for someone else. It's about having fun and entertaining yourself in the process of dressing your body. And she's like, for example, I'm never going to wear a pair of black heels because I want to look down at my feet and like what I see. I wear red and pink and yellow and peacock. Like she was like, I will never wear a pair of black heels because that bores me. And I want to entertain myself when I look at myself. And so I just kind of think that that's an invitation in all areas of life. But one other interview that I just thought about that I'll share with you just because the Elvis movie is out now. And obviously I did not interview Elvis because he was 
dead before I was born, but um, I interviewed uh, Tony Brown producer is a Grammy award-winning producer, Tony Brown um, for a magazine story a few years ago. Uh, he has, he's produced like almost all of George Strait's music. I mean, he, I, I don't Vince Gill. He's worked with just so many people, but he got to start with Elvis. He played keys with Elvis And in the interview, one of the coolest things he ever told me, and I actually have it on my desk right now. I wrote, put this on a card and I look at it all the time. I'm serious. He said that he remembers he was just like some squirrely young dude. He he was in Elvis Presley's home, like totally intimidated. One of his friends had gotten him there to like fill in for somebody. And he said that he was standing in Elvis's kitchen with the other band. He was terrified. And, And Elvis goes, why are you here, Tony? And Tony's like, well, because uh, I mean, I guess to play some music, like he didn't know what to say. And Eric's, I mean, now Elvis is like, no, like, why are you here, Tony? And he's like, I don't know what you mean. Like all nervous. And he's like, you're here because you willed yourself here. He said, Tony, do you know that you can will anything to yourself? And Tony said, and he's never forgotten that as he's carried that with him. He's like, every time when I decided I wanted to be a producer, when I just, when he worked in A&R, he wanted to sign acts. He said, every time I remembered Elvis being like, you can will anything to yourself. And I legit wrote this down on a card. You can will anything. My daughter scribbled on it. I keep this on my desk. <laughs> Thank you, Elvis. You know, I got this message through Tony Brown, but yes, it's true. And it's really... So you can will everyone listening, you can will anything to yourself. Wow. I think I need to, so I always go back and listen to my interviews because <laughs> I genuinely love my guests and I love their content. But the part that you just said there, I think I need to go back and replay that like five times. If anyone else listening wants to do the same, this is your permission slip. But that was so powerful. And what a beautiful way to really end this interview that I just feel like has been so empowering, so profound, so honest. And also so well thought because it's very clear that with you and with your life experience, you've lived a very intentional life. And as a result of that highly intentional life, you've had amazing life experiences, but also a lot of wisdom that you've now been able to summarize for us on this interview in your current book, Radical Life Renovation, and also in the book that you are currently writing. And so I will definitely include in our show notes, link to your Instagram and also a link to buy Radical Life Renovation for those who want to. But I would love it if you can also share your Instagram handle and where you'd love for people to find these things. Yeah. So the Lacey Johnson is my Instagram. Uh, I, I'm actually taking a little social media break right now because I have to get some words to my editor. <laughs> so it's it's distracting me, but I will be back on probably in a couple of weeks, a week or two. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm just taking a little hiatus, uh, but the Lacey Johnson is my Instagram. I'm usually there all the time. Um, and LaceyJohnson.com is pretty much, um, you can find any books, anything. I'm going to be launching a course in October. So it's the Radical Life Renovation Mastermind, which I'm really excited about. Um, I also have another course that's going to be coming out in January. Uh, it's, I can't, I'm not going to release the title yet, but it's all about, um, it's a really energizing, fun, Uh, It's all about self-belief. What can happen when you stop wondering if you can? And I'm bringing in some experts. So I will be releasing info on that, but you can actually sign up for my newsletter on LaceyJohnson.com and uh, to stay updated on that and to stay updated on my other book that will be coming out next year. 
and yeah, that's it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited for everybody to get their hands on these things and learn more about you and the things that you're doing. I can't even tell you what a joy it's been to have you on the show. Yay, I've been such a fan of you and your work. And I would love to know, do you have any last words or closing thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? Yes. I would say, um, you know what? You only get one chance to be you and you don't know how much time you have left. Today could be the last day that you wish somebody a happy birthday or press your lips against your child's forehead or call your best friend and have share that inside joke. You know, life is so beautifully fragile and that's, I don't say that to scare you or make you sad. I say that so that to invite you to celebrate, um, you don't know how much time you've got left. So please live while you know that you can. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things is like, and I say this in the opening of the Radical Life Renovation, I invite everyone, all, every reader to live more vividly because my mom and my two aunts and my grandma, um, I, I think about them all the time and how their lives were ended so abruptly. And they don't have the, the luxury of more time to edit their legacies or, or make that apology or finish that song or write that book or, or whatever. But I do, and everybody listening does too. And so while you can, please, the gifts that are inside of you, that were divinely placed inside of you, the desires, the curiosities, the live, 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 live truthfully, live, you know, be who you are because um, you don't know how much you might have decades in front of you, but, but you don't know. And, and, um, and, and, and every day is an opportunity to, to live vividly and, and, um, and show and share your, your gifts with the world and celebrate the, the rarity that is your life. So powerful. Again, I want to emphasize the last line you said here, because your last lines have been just absolute zingers in the best way possible. <laughs> really just everything you're saying is just about celebrating the life that you have and really just owning it. And wow, again, such a powerful interview. I can't wait to go back and listen to this. I'm so excited to share it with the world. Um, and truly, Lacey, thank you again for coming on here, for being so authentically you and in doing so and in inspiring others to do the same. Well, thank you so much. And I just want to add, because I love the name of your podcast and I love the word royalty and I have a little bit of a different idea about it. I, you know, I think historically a lot of people have thought of the word royalty as like some grandiose or like egocentric or, and it's not that like everybody listening is royalty in their own way, because think of the odds of you even being on this planet, like the odds of conception alone, all the things that could have prevented you from being born. Number one, all of the things that could have prevented you from being here and making it, making it to adulthood. Look at all the things that could have taken you out, all the dangers, all the, all the things like, my gosh, even surviving like adolescence is a miracle. You know? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Like gym class in like in seventh grade is traumatic. So yeah, <laughs> like that's all a miracle. And if you've made it this far, every birthday that you, you better like pop your collar and be like, I am royalty. Like I am resilient. I am still here. That is amazing. So we're all ro royalty and yes, you, you, you better start living like it. If you don't want to, um, you don't have to, but my gosh, you're really missing out. 
So beautiful. And I completely agree. That's the whole purpose of the show. Royalty Redefined is about saying, don't wait for someone else to put the crown on your head. If you want to feel like the queen of your life, you take that crown. I will send you a crown if you want to. And yes. I've done that to people before. Snatch it up. Here it is. <laughs> I will send you a crown. It's going to be in your mailbox next week. No and just act in, like it. <laughs> no shame in my crown wearing game. Nope. <laughs> Okay, nope. that might be the new Logan for my show. Yes. No shame yes. in your crown wearing game. Okay, nope. I might use that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> love it. Thank I'm you again, Lacey. I love it. You're welcome. <laughs> Such a joy to have you on the show today. 